NZR Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well getting scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar Alhijalan, Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com. You're going to find the link to the book there as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in, definitely not back in the can. This is an on-location version of the Lunatic Fringe podcast with a whole cast of characters that I never expected to be spending time with in such a unique spot. So we're going to start over here. Who the fuck are you? Yes, you. And what do you do? I am fucking General Zainab. General. You've embraced that nickname now, haven't you? I do. I was given that name on this boogie in Kenya. Why? 
Because I have got balls of steel. She has balls of steel. I like it. All right. General Zenith, balls of steel, and go jump Kenya. Who's next? Yeah, my name is Omar, and you guys are sick and tired of hearing my voice. <laughs> Been on way too many of these, but it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Dean, for having yeah. me. Yeah. Karim Madur. We've done this before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last time it was just you and me. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> and uh, we're waiting for episode two. Yes, we are doing episode two, mm-hmm. but this is episode one and a half. Okay. All right, we're going to keep going. What's good? Shark Boy Dewey. Shark Boy Dewey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the only way you can kind of to distinguish me from everyone else. Keep going. Uh, Danny Samper, um, Colombian saxophonist that also jumps from the sky. Fresh blood on this podcast. Nice. My name is Ibrahim. My friends call me Ebro. <clears throat> first time doing a boogie. First time skydiving. With all of you lovely people. We'll get into all of that later. But what I do is I take photos and I'm an interior architect. Cool. My name, my name is Ricky. Uh, I'm a skydiver. I'm currently the resident intern slash logistics of, 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 of the boogie. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great time. My name is Pete Stone. Uh, I'm a Brit, an ancient Brit. Um, I'm a skydiver. I've been a skydiver for quite a long time. Having a blast here in Kenya. Pete, you're the... Yeah, let me slide this microphone a little closer. Pete, you are the uh, uh, the only jumper so far on the boogie that I've seen nail the target. You did it on a stiletto um, on a golf course as a badass. So ancient does not fit. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it but, doesn't but, fit. But do tell us, how old are you, Pete? I'm 77. God bless you. Jumping a stiletto. Uh, respect. <laughs> respect. Yes. Man. 77, man. I pray that I'll be skydiving like you are. Right? Mad respect. So, how did we all end up in, in of all places, Kenya? So, um, Gojum Kenya was born about two years ago. Uh, I opened this drop zone here uh, after a very hard uh, experience with another drop zone that was here. It took me a very long time to do this. Um, finally, and we're here. So, Boogies are happening now. Um, I knew Kareem from back in the day when he was still a baby. Um, but not that long ago. You mean he's grown up? Uh, not really. <laughs> no, no, he's not even taller. Not, not taller. I know this. <laughs> if anything, he's already reached the point where he's shrinking. <laughs> so I met Kareem and then I'd gone to Dubai one time for to meet him and do some tunnel time. And he introduced me to this amazing human being called Omar. Who's We call him Papa. <laughs> and I did some time time with him and uh, voila, he's been here for three boogies now. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. That's too awesome. In one year. And in one you, year? In one year. In 2023. Yep. That's pretty epic. It Actually, is. one question I want to ask is to the newest of everybody, which is Ibrahim. You did your very first skydive, never jumped before, and the first time you do it is in a boogie in Kenya. So I want to know that kind of thing. How, how was that? I'll start, I'll backtrack a little bit. All right. So August of this year, I lost my father. Mm. So that was really tough, right? I've always taken care of him for the last 10 years. And I know Dewey and Daniel, they've traveled around the world. They would always tell me, hey, bro, you out of all of our friends, you're the most adventurous, most outdoorsy person. When are you going to come with us? 
I promised them that I would someday, uh, and this someday happened to be this trip. They're like, we're going to Kenya, we're going skydiving. I was like, I don't promise you I'll skydive, but I'll promise you that I'm coming to Kenya. Hmm. So I booked my flight. Um, I come here, not even expecting to jump. I said, I'll just go with the flow. Sure enough, we're in Mombasa, Kenya. And <clears throat> coming in, I felt really sick. <laughs> like we landed early morning, took a, a small plane to Mombasa. Uh, to to the Pingo and upon landing I was feeling very nauseous barely had time to recover next day uh, Zena actually tells me hey, bro are you ready to to go on your tandem um, and I was like now <laughs> was like, yeah. why not I said no, I wasn't now yeah. now yeah it was like now <laughs> like, yeah. really so, which was kind of cool as well, because it didn't have it, it. didn't give me too much time to think about it. So, and I'm the type of person I overthink things a little too much. <laughs> so, if I sat there pondering the idea just a little longer, I probably wouldn't have been on that plane. I was like, all right, you know what? Let's go. Let's do this. I looked calm on the outside, but I don't even know how to describe how nervous I was, and you know, trying to pretend and I wasn't even trying to pretend to be macho or anything like that I just knew it was going to be a hell of an experience so everything was fine <clears throat> should we get into the banana banana bro banana okay time. you're gonna want to clarify that I got some pretty <laughs> I, I got some creative listeners right. so everything was fine until Omar tells me uh Ibrahim like as soon as you jump out of the plane make sure you shape your body like a banana so I lean forward like a banana. He's like, no, the other way. Put your back all the way, put your head all the way back and like extend your chest out and like lean forward. Hips forward. Hips, hips forward and lean like, you know, lean forward. And then I asked Ahmad, I was like, but uh, Dennis is going to be behind me. He's like, yeah, he's going to have to do it as well. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Getting intimate real quick. You know? Some sort of skydiving prank. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sure enough, we get on the plane. We go all the way up. I start, like, saying prayers in my head, you know, <laughs> when I'm smiling on the outside, but inside I'm terrified. Um, and then as soon as I get to that door of that plane, it just got real. Yeah, it gets real. I didn't even want to look down, but obviously as soon as you jump out of the plane, you just your face down and... Oh, oh so you didn't do your banana then? I did, I did. Uh -huh. I did do the banana, but as, as best as I could, you know, obviously it just, everything just, your entire mind goes blank, you know? Absolutely. No thought, nothing. Um, the funniest, even, the funniest yeah. as a side note real quick is that you're getting a briefing on body position for your first tandem in Kenya by Omar al Hejlan, which if you're not in skydiving, you wouldn't know. But if you're in skydiving, you're like, fucking hell, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Omar <laughs> taught him the banana. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> this is three minutes before boarding. That's yeah. awesome. That's, that's a proper tandem briefing. Exactly. It's LeBron James teaching you how to do your first free throw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you nailed it. 
Yeah. When we got together at Freefall. It was. And how cool was that? Honestly, one of the best experiences of my life. And mm. so, did Dennis nail it too? Yeah, he did. <laughs> so. <laughs> I just got that. It took me a second. Uh, no, he did not. But he nailed the landing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember seeing Dewey on one side and me on the other? Yes, I did. Of course. Yeah. That was, that was honestly like, now that I've. I, I fully process everything I remember clearly, but during the jump it was a bit of a blur because obviously it's just surreal and just different emotions. But sensory as, overload. Yeah, sensory overload for sure. But as soon as you jump, my mind just went blank, right? And all I could remember is the like the sound of the wind just passing, you know, around your ear, and it's just like, how fast are we going? And then Dennis actually told me around. So, uh, so 170 miles? Yeah. Uh, kilometers? Yeah. yeah. It, I was like, wow. It ain't slow. It, it was. It didn't feel slow. No. But then, as soon as we, as soon as I grabbed Dewey's hand and Omar's hand, it was. It felt a lot slower. But it was so incredible to see all of these people around you and smiling and just not a care in the world. Sure. And as soon as. Uh, Dennis pulls the chute. Um, I look down and I was like, "Oh shit, we're really far, <laughs> like far, like off the ground." And that gave me some time to think about it. I was like, "Oh no," <laughs> but it all went well. It went really nice. And as soon as I, as soon as I landed, as soon as we landed, <clears throat> took off my gear, high fived everyone. Not a lot of you noticed, but do we notice? As soon as I high fived everyone, I was over overwhelmed with emotion. Sure, I started to get teary. I was like, "Guys, I'm gonna jump in the water." Got in the water, and it just all came down and out. Just was falling out, crying, right? Sure. Because of all the past six, seven months that I've been through, but it it, it was good in a good way, right? In a good, positive way, just releasing that uh, stress, the the anxiety, the the trauma that one goes through losing a loved one and honestly like one of the best feelings ever jumping out of the plane you you like just as a human being you run away from danger mm. but to put yourself in danger voluntarily <laughs> how did your perception of dewey change having gone through a skydive and your perception of him as a no no i'm being serious yeah, and your perception yeah, of him as a skydiver because i'm sure you had your preconceived notions so, of he's really crazy now and he's yeah, yeah, so so I, I grew up with him. I've known him since 2013, 10 years now. And and I don't know if you guys know Dewey back then, but he was a completely different person, right? Um, not not to be negative or, 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 you know, even point fingers, but we were all different people back then. He lived a lifestyle that um, just, you know, um, different than now. And looking at him then and now, I'm looking at a completely different person. Oh. And even when he got into, I think it started with him shark diving, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> he started to change and seek the thrill and seek the adventure more, more importantly than anything else. Not at any point uh, did I say, oh, he's like an adrenaline junkie. He's just escaping. I don't know that, but I, but I saw, I saw him finding his, his ground, finding his way, finding his, 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 uh, you know, his true self. So he starts skydiving, and I was like, wow, he's really into that. He's going around the world skydiving. And at first, obviously, I had my my assumptions about him maybe escaping. All of us have a, a reason or two to escape reality or 
but but I knew Dewey. I knew I knew who he was, um, and I knew that he he's become so true to himself that I even had a conversation with him in the car not till last, a few days ago. I told him how proud I am of him uh, <clears throat> to the person he's become because I realized that he's not skydiving because of a, um, because just you know running away from the day to day. Actually, he loves it. He's passionate mm. about it. Mm. He's not running away from responsibility. He's actually a very responsible person. He loves life. He loves the adventure. And I feel like back then that was that's what was missing from his life, right? Um, living his authentic self, one hundred percent. And I just I am so proud of him. It's unbelievable, and I'm happy. Honestly, thank you for for <laughs> encouraging me to come on this trip, man. We'll honestly, you wow, much, wow, like so really skydiving so. is therapy. I would like, like to say something on this matter yeah. as well. Um, so being um, a Muslim woman, I come from a very strict Muslim family. Uh, my dad being a sheikh uh, and all that. Whatever I've gone through, I have found my peace with skydiving. Um, when people talk about freedom and, and there's a lot of kind of different freedoms that people want to have. But just when I am skydiving and I've got that Zen moment, nobody around me or just when you jump out, I feel how small I am compared to this universe. And this universe is big. So much to give, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like it's freedom, it, it, it's, it's freedom and therapy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I do yoga and I play tennis. I do taekwondo and stuff like that. But skydiving for me is... My, my peace and my freedom. Yeah. Now, as the uh, let's let's call you the elder statesman, shall we? As the elder statesman of skydiving, um, you've been to Kenya a few times. You've done a bunch of traveling. You've been jumping for quite a while. Know all the usual suspects. At seventy-seven, still jumping a stiletto. How did it all get started, and how did you end up in Kenya? Well, um, it all got started. I've been thinking about this. I've never actually found a point where I suddenly decided I was going to skydive. I think the history goes back to when I was at school. My school had an army cadet force and I joined the army cadet force at school. And whilst I never really was into soldiering, I just quite enjoyed the training and what have you. And I reached the dizzy heights of Lance Corporal. And then later on, when I was working, I found there was a, a, a territorial army unit that in the UK is the reserve, the army reserves. And you can join that without having ever been in the regulars. Okay. And uh, I found, I went to see them and said, look, I was, no. and they said, yeah, we'll have you, we'll have you. And I was in the artillery, um, 250 medium regiment for about three or four years. The government in the UK had some changes going ahead. The regiment was disbanded. I was left without a, a military home to go to, except there was 289 parachute battery up in London. And in the meantime, I'd moved to London anyway to work. So I went and saw them. And then in, in um, June 1967, I did my military parachute course. In 67? In 1967. Fucking hell. So I think I was 19 or something. And uh, yeah, 1920. I was one. That's, that's right. I wasn't born. That's the t-shirt I remember when <laughs> sex was safe and skydiving was dangerous. That's, right, that's yeah. when you were learning how to jump. So... So I, I've always pr professed that I've never made a very good soldier, but I suddenly found that I was quite enjoying, even though it was static line and some of our jumps were as low as 650 feet, okay, um, I found that I was enjoying the jumping out of the aeroplanes more than the soldiering. So when I got a chance I, uh, and I'd left the Territorial Army, I um, d 
did a civilian parachute course. So I did my first um, sport jump in 1975 and, uh, and carried on from there. But having a career and children, a wife and stuff like that held me back for a long time. Mm. So I really didn't get started until um, perhaps the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, by which time I started traveling to the USA a lot because the skydiving scene yeah. in the UK in those days was pretty slow because mm. of lack of aircraft. It's fine if you like jumping out of 182s and 206s. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I spent all my money traveling to the States to jump um, and, and until the UK started getting turbine aircraft. Mm. Now, what did the family think of this? Because, I mean, you, again, wife and kid, now you're pissing off to the States to go jump out of airplanes. Well, Were you taking sad, the family? Or? Sadly, sadly, the situation became that, you know, uh, it was either... It was either skydiving or the wife, so sadly I had to let her go. And <laughs> we both did. Still got a soul. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my kids by that time. Well, there was a story about that. My daughter had been working in Tanzania, and we came to meet her for a visit, and she was just about 20, 21, and she was in Dar es Salaam Airport, my wife and I, and, and I, we could see she's tall, blonde, and I know she's my daughter, but she's very, very beautiful. She was a model. And she was speaking fluent Swahili, organizing a couple of um, porches to come and help with our luggage. And I thought, your job as a father is done. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've done it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Brilliant. So, um, Cheers yeah. So I, I just got into skydiving really almost by accident. And I found I loved it. And I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And all, and all of a sudden, I woke up this morning and I thought, yeah, I'm still going. Yes. Kind of one of the recipes for staying young, right? I mean, you keep doing what you love. Shit hurts a lot more getting out of bed in the morning, but you're still doing look it. Look at his face. He doesn't need any Botox or anything it. like that. It. Like, seriously. I know it. Yeah. Speaking of pain, Ricky Rout, I had you on the podcast before. You uh, have uh, made an entire living out of teaching people how to inflict massive <laughs> amounts of pain. As a, a jiu-jitsu instructor and uh, turned skydiver, uh, student of Omar Al-Hijalans, and now you're organizing boogies. Dude, fucking talk about the fast track. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's been, a, it's been an awesome process to, to be involved in. Uh, I'm, I'm super stoked. I had, I had like jiu-jitsu as a great framework to base skill acquisition on. Right, so now I'm slowly, slowly trying to do do the same, but in the field of skydiving, mm. and 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 skill skill is is a very diverse term because there are so many aspects to, to like the art. Sure. Right. So like I've been training a good amount in free fall. I've been training a, a good amount in the tunnel, but also now I had the opportunity to be involved in operation mm. on, a, on a on a on a on a on a boogie type uh, scale. It's been it's been a really cool learning journey. Uh, I'm I'm happy to have worked worked with with Zainab. Uh, I I got to learn I got I got to learn how the skeleton of a boogie works, what makes it tick, what makes it efficient, where the points to improve could be for next time, uh, and 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 how to how to how to incorporate like that knowledge and have a good framework for that. It's, it's, it's awesome skill. So when did you know you were going to go full force with skydiving? Because you were getting into it quite a bit in Dubai, but now you like make regular trips to Russia to buy a shitload of tunnel time because you're like perfecting it. Is it like a thing with you that you've got to perfect what you get into or you just love it that much or it's both? Uh, it, so when, when I, when I first started jumping, 
at the, my first season, uh, Omar was traveling as was traveling the world with with his family, so he was not really in Dubai at the time. So I had gone from like AFF to around fifty or sixty jumps that that season, and then and then after the summer, we 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 we, we spoke about it and we said, hey, we're gonna let, let's 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 do a let's do a trade, jujitsu for skydiving <laughs> training. I was like, bet. Let's do it. <laughs> that's 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 a, that's a awesome. This is like this. This is the universe. It's like in the perfect situation. Yeah. yeah. Then we started jumping, and and one thing about jumping with Omar is about of is the amount of energy and emotion he communicates with you during the jump. Sure. So like yeah, he he manages that so well. So it was just such a it was such a cool thing to experience as a student, as a as still that one day I wish to be able to do the same to other people. Sure. I wish to be able to like, hey, what are you doing? All right, let me come along and then just be able to super enhance uh, their experience in, you, in the sky. Do you think you were super open to that because you're kind of doing the same for other people learning jujitsu? Yes, absolutely. I know how good it feels in jujitsu. Guess what? When you I want see somebody to, yeah. get that light bulb. Yeah, it's it's um, across it's all drug. ages, across all ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want the same in the sky now. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. And also at events. Nice. Oh, yeah, so this diverse. That's awesome. In, in all ways. That's awesome. Dewey, you've done some stupid shit with big fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> I have. So, uh, I know you as a jumper, but uh, I've learned quite a bit on this trip, especially in regard to the scuba diving stuff. We've been to a lot of the same places, but you, next level. I mean, so how did you transition from a normal person to someone that... It lives with sharks all the place, all over the place, and now you're jumping out of airplanes all around the world. How does all that happen? So it all started with the biggest lie I've heard <laughs> that you have to go to university to make it in life. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I took the, the I believed it. Finished university to the, be what? Uh, data science. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, and I went into master's Ugh. and then dropped out. I had a job for like a month in a cubicle. Went oh. back to my mom. I was crying. <laughs> I was like, no way. This is going to be my life for the next 40 years. Oh, my God. It was like I was 99% happy with my life. Just like uh, sample here before I met him uh, a month, three months later. Okay, so that's already was, a story I know I want to dive into. Yeah, we're gonna dive into it together. Yeah, yeah. So I had to tell my mom I needed to take some time off, go backpacking. She didn't understand the concept of backpacking. She thought it was just like, okay, you know, let's give him some amount of money, and he'll go, he'll spend it. When it's done, he'll come back. Now, give so, people the back, your family background, where you're from, the kind of culture. Oh, uh, so I, I'm Saudi, but I left I left Saudi at, the, at a young age to go to boarding school, blah blah blah. You know, college abroad, been abroad for at this point for more than half my life. Hmm. So yeah, they're super traditional. So it's not a, it's not a go find yourself culture. Not so much. No, it's no, like you no want to find way. yourself. No, no, no. it's like too many. You want to find yourself? Come to us, Habib. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that's more it, that, that paints the picture. Yeah. So, no, but the, the thing is, like, told you, you yeah. 
exactly. That's honestly very true across uh, Muslim cultures and Arab cultures in general. Yeah, yeah. You look to your parents for direction. You don't find your own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I have the picture now. So you're you're in a bad spot because yeah. So I had to break it. I had to break that that tradition, like the the, the culture, the normal things, of, the normal way of doing things. It just didn't make sense to me. So, I, anyways, I was happy and everything, but it's just that it was just, I, I couldn't really see anything else but a cubicle for the rest of my life. Mm. So, I packed up, uh, I packed up like a suitcase, one suitcase, went uh, to South Africa, and I actually started in the Balkan region, but it, it ended pretty quickly. It only lasted for like you know, a month or something, but then I went to South Africa, and I was living somewhere in the Mpumalanga region next to the Kruger area and that's actually where I met Sampi here next to me Daniel now if I'm not mistaken he was basically homeless and he was and and, uh, and hairy and really uh, okay yeah, yeah. okay I was that's, in full Colombian primal mode I was gonna say that was the picture that was painted for me yeah, yeah. I have a, I have I a mean, picture for it too you could mistake him for a gorilla <laughs> <laughs> at that point yeah no, he had long hair, <laughs> a lot of beard, a lot of hair everywhere. What? So, it, so you just wanted to take care of a stray? <laughs> no, like no, no, was no, a stray no, puppy on the street. Yeah. <laughs> I went there volunteering. I went there volunteering. <laughs> he was, so, and I found him with the kids there in one of the villages. Like, and and I'm like, he's. he's just, so Dewey's volunteering in Africa, <laughs> and their community service is helping out where I am. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. To feed the level of skills. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And I'm then they're teaching what I saw as privileged people how to build a garden. Yet I didn't know exactly what I was doing at the moment either. Gotcha. So it was it was a very funny thing, and I thought he was Mexican. He thought I was Lebanese. We both like wrongfully racially profiled each other, and we loved each other. Ever since. I mean, I can kind of see both of those. <laughs> you can't. It's not yeah, just me, right? It's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, if you said your name was Jesus, I wouldn't doubt it. Tell them where you got uh, stopped in lockdown during COVID. What oh. were you in lockdown? Oh, we were in so, Machu Picchu. Yeah, but you got locked down in Machu Picchu. Yeah. Uh, worst thing no, was, everyone's like, oh, it has the best food, but I cook like shit. So then it was just Dewey there, whipping it up, and me cleaning up. Like, wow. Uh, so and Ozzy and Harriet, just man and wife. Yeah, man. So together. I think it was much made in heaven. Yeah. 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 Well, not only that, but I, I also, I don't know if you guys know, Danny here also dropped out. and From where? Uh, I was going to Harvard. There you go. <laughs> 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 Bravo. Yeah, Bravo. please get into that a little bit. My background? No, just like Harvard. I mean, I got into Harvard because I was a Latino. And just being honest, they needed to meet a quota. From there, I got a scholarship. It can't just be that. You had to offer them something. Um, it's not just, it, I had a really good GPA out of college. I fucked around and found out in go. high school. I graduated with 1.8. Thought saxophone would take me to where I needed my life to be. Learned the hard way. From there, worked my ass off in university, took made it to, to Harvard. Took you to jamming with a pretty fucking cool band on a beach in Kenya. Yeah. Thank you for the segue. I was just about to <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it just went. That was probably, I mean, I love jumping out of the sky, man, but that, for me, that's my piece. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it was kind of funny because I, I saw you at first, you hadn't been playing the saxophone yet, you were just walking around with it, and I'm like, 
you got to be pretty fucking confident to be a sax to bring a saxophone to the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he better be good at that. And then you got up with the band, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he should bring a saxophone to the beach. <laughs> I will say that, yeah, I bring it with me everywhere, and then people are really surprised, but then they're like, oh, you must be super good. And I'm just like, okay, now we just set the bar too fucking high, though. No, I don't think so. I mean, I was I was proper impressed. So was the band, proper impressed. Oh, that woman was in love with you. Uh-huh. I, I yeah, try yeah. to do that effect with many. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, uh, but back to the, the sharks real quick. You, jumped, the sharks you started swimming with really big fish. So, I was in South Africa. I was in the Kruger area. I was looking for something to do, some kind of purpose, whatever. So, I worked with kids. I worked with farmers. I worked with a few animals along the way, whatever, until I got to the point where I looked at Sampi and I'm like, you want to go volunteer with sharks? They have penguins. That was the funny part. So he wasn't sold on the sharks. He was like, damn, penguins? penguins. I'm sold. And I was like, okay. So, I mean, at that point, we needed to find the next destination because we've been there for such a long time. Like, like you stunk. <laughs> so bad. I won't argue that. So yeah, he was like, let's go to Hans Bay. And that was the great white capital of the world. Mm. And we went up and it was like a program with Marine Dynamics. Okay. Yeah. Is that where so, they the, the, the whites are known for breaching? Yes. So that's actually where I met one of my other best friends who got me really into shark diving. Mm. So anyways, we, we went there. We volunteered for a very short time. And we had to leave because, you know, we can't stay for more than three months because our uh, visas. Sure. Whatever. So we left and we kind of continued our journeys, uh, like both our journeys back home for a little while, pack up and went a journey through Central America. Uh, and that's when we got stuck as shit in COVID. In Machu Picchu. Uh, no, and the no, worst no, no, part no, was like the week no, before, we everyone being like, you should go home, this is a terrible idea. And we're like, but Machu no, but Picchu. No, a few months later. We, <laughs> we had a lot of time. We had a lot of time like playing around. We, we went to like Costa Rica, Guatemala, camped next to an active volcano, surfed down an active volcano in Nicaragua. We were just... Going full ham at it, whatever you want, reverse bungee jumping. It was Wait, just what? like what? Fucking! It amazing. was an amazing slingshot. Couple of yeah. like six okay. months of just whatever we had in mind, like anything that just not we're the ordinary. Let's just do it. We're being adrenaline junkie. So I remember one of the biggest things that kind of leads you into all of this picture of Dewey. Dewey get we get to Cape Town and he gives me a list of like top twenty things to do, and he says, "Can you please choose your top three? In the top three, I chose skydiving, shark, um, shark cage diving, and probably like zip lining or something like that. So he looks at me and he goes, wait, you're an adrenaline junkie? And I said, yes. And he's like, I'm an adrenaline junkie. From there, we went into the tandem in South Africa. Then went to the shark camp. Fast forward, he starts going gung-ho for sharks. And I mean, now it's really full circle mm. that he's a skydiver too. You know, what's kind of funny, though, is you both got started on that with the idea that you were adrenaline junkies, and when you get into both of those things, adrenaline has nothing to do with either. Nah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so strange. The two wildest things, diving with sharks and jumping out of airplanes, have shit to do with adrenaline once you're in it. It does initially, right? but when it gets going, it doesn't have anything. That's, that's awesome. For me, it's just jumping into a different reality. Sure, for sure. For sure. Now, Zenib, when you started the idea to do this podcast, did you have any idea you'd have this many maniacs come out and want to 
Absolutely wanna... fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I am sitting here with... I'm actually very proud right now. I'm having an internal moment. Sure. Um, being so blessed and humbled by the caliber of people that I have around here. <laughs> Dean, first of all, Absolutely. I would have never met you. Right? True, true. And we would have you, never met. You have done an amazing job for Gojam Kenya. Absolutely. Uh, I, I taught a really good pilot how to do a couple extra things. Uh, no, no, no. Beyond that, you have done a... I am really cool. Don't get me wrong. I was just waiting I'm for you. <laughs> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have met you ever. I, I don't think so. Maybe. At oh, some point maybe. in life maybe. or whatever. Yeah. But through Omar, which again and again and again, I keep telling myself how lucky I am mm. to meet people like Omar and Kareem. And through all that, I meet you, Dean, and baby Dewey, Shakish diving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sampi, welcome to Gojam Kenya. It was your Thank first you time so. here. First time skydiver. Well, Tanam, Ricky, logistics, man. Come yeah, on, we need go. to up it up. <laughs> and my friend Peter. I met Peter here um, 2018. No, 2016, I think. 2016, was yeah, it? Yeah, and Oh my God, I was such a baby skydiver you then. You were a baby skydiver, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I didn't even know what I was doing. You were all bouncing with enthusiasm, and I thought, yeah, I like I this I still girl. do. <laughs> I still do. Good, good, good. You know, my, the funny part is you, you have your moment where you're loving everybody around and everything that's going on, but like three hours ago, it was all, Dean, don't ever be a fucking DZO. <laughs> <laughs> And that's exactly it. Yeah, because, I mean, it. let's that, admit that it. That is true. It's hurting cats, the best of us. We are so hard to wrangle, and we all have our own ways and all that stuff. And Kareem, sit the fuck down, because you left and just haven't even been part of the conversation. So you need to reintroduce yourself. Uh, my name is Kareem. Yeah, that's, no, more than that. <laughs> more than that. How, so, how, how did Gojim Kenya come about for you? It was a miracle. Uh, I was so excited when I heard that she actually opened the DZ, because mm. uh, historically, uh, jumping in Kenya was banned for the rest of eternity. Was there, without getting too sensitive and too into it, what's the, 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 sm the short version of why that was? You want to, or do I? Go ahead, my friend. <coughs> February 19, 2019. Okay, we're getting pretty detailed. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, so much for He's glossing funny. over it. Okay, let's, let's, let, let. For those people who who can only hear us, but I'm going to tell this as well. He's got it tattooed on his arm. Yes, I see Under that. On the arm, actually. Yeah. What there you go. Yeah. What so uh, I was up on a tandem. Uh-huh. And uh, a really great guy uh, called... I'm not going to say names. Yeah. But um, I really had a great time. Okay. During that time. but Because uh, of the banana thing? <laughs> and other reasons. Okay. Um, someone decided to uh, get the Zambian military to train AFF here, mm. posing as tourists, uh, which would have went really smooth until um, one of them decided to cut away at 100 feet. Yeah. And then, so things, when he went to the hospital, pronounced deceased, um, they found out who the identity was, things escalated. Went all the way up to the president, and the newspaper. It was that the Zambian military was here to do covert operations, etc. 
So Skydiving Kenya was shut down forever. No ever, ever, shit. Ever, yeah. And uh, we were all disappointed because Kenya was always that beautiful place, hmm. carefree, friendly people, um, and uh, jumping to beautiful scenery, landing on beaches, going on safari, bringing your family, your friends, everything goes here. Hmm. And uh, legally, the man won the court case to keep jumping. However, the army were like, nope. And they surrounded the plane during a boogie. And they let the skydivers out. And they're like, you ain't jumping. And then they uh, they had a case against them again. So that they can have a warrant for his arrest. But he left other countries. So we were all unhappy. That mm. Kenyan was, was, uh, was closed. Because we lived in Dubai. And uh, that was like a five hour flight. During mm. our public holidays. Where we can go and have fun. And skydive. And be with all our friends. Etc. Sure. Anyway. So, uh, years later, Zainab, uh, being the hard-headed woman that she is, general, yep, uh, decided to open a drop zone. Hmm. And uh, I remember a lot of people said, that's impossible. And people called her and said, that's impossible. But she did it. Hmm. And the miracle is here out of life. So that's it. And how did you end up uh, kind of juggling everything? Because, I mean, I was talking to both you and Zainab trying to uh, arrange transporting coming over to do what I came to do and it was between both of you guys and I remember being surprised because I'm like Kareem lives in Dubai why is he how so Kareem has lived in Kenya right uh, in 2018 he used to live here um, and we are we've become really good friends um, Gojam Kenya would have not been here if I didn't have the more support of uh, Kareem so even back then, when people were telling me, oh, this is not going to happen, I would call Karim up and say, this person told me, oh, you can't meet the director general of KCA. And he would tell me, go do it. Mm. Do this. Girl, you've got it. So he knows a lot about logistics and people here. And he also speaks the language a little bit. Kidogo, funny enough. Kidogo, kidogo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And being a background of management consulting, um, I can bring order to chaos. So, uh, <laughs> Ricky, what would you say about chaos? Uh, uh, chaos. Uh, it, it, it's it's great when you when you try something out, create something new, and face the chaos because you get to learn a lot from it. You really observe the things you could have done better to avoid the, uh, certain aspects and certain things to prevent. So it's, it's, it's a very good lesson. Mm, for sure. Yeah. There is orderly chaos. Yes. If you've ever driven a scooter. In Vietnam, you understand that within what seems to be total chaos, there's actually logic and rhyme and reason. And once you start getting into it, there is a flow to it. Yes, absolutely. So now, Omar, we, we had a conversation not that long ago, actually. You were just on the podcast a month and a half ago talking about some of the things that were going on. But you seem to be nonstop. I can't keep up with where the fuck you are. Bro, I mean, I've been blessed. I've been blessed with many opportunities. It was a year ago, a year ago, and a couple of months. Actually, not even a year ago, and a couple of months. It was uh, like 13 months ago. You and I were sitting together at the top of the world doing the same thing. Exactly. How beautiful is that? Right? It's pretty bizarre. I was thinking about you, actually, when I was there. I was so jealous because it dawned, it snuck up on me. I'm like, oh, wait. Holy shit, right now I was getting messages on my phone. Here's your one year ago. And then I, I'm, you know, like I always say, 
Hashtag trillionaire and experiences. Oh. I really am. I am just beyond blessed to be able to live the kind of life that I live, to have the friends that I have, and to get to experience the things that I get to experience all over the world with new friends, old friends. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Like in that little bit. It so, really is ridiculous. It, it makes you, oh, I don't know, it's hard sometimes. I mean, I, I don't want to whine and cry. I'm telling you what a great life I live. But it's like almost you feel guilty. I mean, it's my life almost a little too good, too nice, you know? God bless. I've got this most incredible family, the most incredible daughter and wife. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, just very, very grateful. And uh, man, what, what a great time to be here in Kenya. And really, I invite each and every one of you to come next boogie. It's epic. I mean, I love that we're sitting here having a podcast next to a swimming pool. People are listening to people swimming back and forth and birds chirping. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Pete, did you have any idea when you got into jumping in 67? Fuck me, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I am old. <laughs> did you Did you have any idea it was going to be a lifelong pursuit and, and take you everywhere that it did? I had no idea whatsoever. Um you know, I, I have, I've jumped extensively in the United States. I've jumped in Africa. I, I jumped in Zambia in, even in 1978. Wow. On a round canopy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've always decided, well, let's just have a go at this, you know. Um, it, 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 there's something about it's It's like an addiction, skydiving. Sure. You start to like it and you start to want to repeat. Um, you need to keep repeating the dose. I am an addictive personality. Um, I've talked about this with other people here about some of my other addictions, which I've managed to just put to one side and stop. Sure. But nice. I haven't yet managed to stop skydiving. Sure. We haven't even managed to stop skydiving on a fucking stiletto. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's 70, It's funny because skydiving, um, we've become accustomed to so many different, different generations within the same sport. I mean... From Lou Sanborn to the newest 16-year-old where it's legal for them to be jumping is all the same group. They can all be on the same load at the same time. But I don't think there's too many 77-year-olds still jumping stilettos. The thing about my stiletto is it's um, <laughs> the smallest canopy I've ever had. Uh, and I did buy, a, I have got a second set of gear at home with a bigger canopy. A 150 stiletto, would you believe? <laughs> and I bought that for, for as I was getting older, I was finding la landings at places like uh, Arizona, uh, Eloy, and um, Elsinore, and Paris. I was finding because they're quite high up drop zones. Sure. I, I mean, I've stopped trying to run out fast landings about 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> sure. Because uh, at my age, you could, if you break a leg, it could be the end of your skydiving career. Sure. So, I, I tend to wear out to jumpsuit asses. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the fact that you're landing on the golf course uh, at sunset uh, yesterday. You were the one that not only hit, the only one that hit the target, but you also gathered up the entire target because you swooped into it, which was beautiful. It was absolutely was perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Ibrahim, so first jump. First boogie, first everything. Do you see yourself jumping again, or is it uh, you made a bunch of friends you keep in contact with, but the jumping side of things was? <laughs> I think I'll definitely jump again. Yeah. But I think something Ricky said that kind of resonated with me. I'm a perfectionist at heart. Okay. And I and I, the most thing, it, it, it's equal. 
it's like a love-hate relationship. The most thing I loved about skydiving that I wasn't in control because obviously I was doing a tandem, mm. but it was also the most thing I hated about skydiving because I wasn't in control, right? Mm. I would, I wanted to be the one that's pulling shoot, directing myself, right? I don't know. It was just, it's just <laughs> who I am, right? Mm. Even when I drive, um, I feel fine. But as soon as someone grabs the wheel, I feel like, oh, you know, so... It's that perfectionist in me, but I, I was telling Dewey, I kind of want to get into a wind tunnel to see how it is, you know, sure, in a controlled environment sure. and take it from there. But well, I, I don't know if that yeah. you can call it controlled, more yeah, controlled, more controlled, <laughs> right? So definitely would want to try it again. Um, but honestly, being here in the boogie has just been incredible. Yeah. Meeting all these different people at first, again, like when I looked at Dewey and Daniel traveling, all these, I was like, oh, these people are just so obsessed, right? Like, oh, this and that. But when I when I tried it and I um, tasted what that is like, I was like, "Wow, it's good." Yeah, it's real good. Uh, not, not not only the adrenaline, it's real good. Yeah. <laughs> not, not only the adrenaline, but man, the people. Honestly, I've never met people like that. Never met such lovely people in the community. You know, mm. um, I think that within itself will definitely make me want to travel again. Whether it's with you guys or Dewey, Daniel, even by myself to meet new people like-minded people and to be honest the boogie was just incredible mm. i do a bit of photography it was nice to take pictures of uh, extreme sports if you, if you call it that um it's just been an, an absolute pleasure honestly i got licked by a giraffe yeah <laughs> you did yeah you, yeah well i don't know if i can say the giraffe molested you or you molested the giraffe he followed me. He was oh, pursuing me. He was, it, yeah, no, it was only halfway through the licking that I noticed that there was a little bit more hanging there than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool, though. I didn't expect that. That was super cool. And right up to the fence line of the runway, there's just giraffes standing there. And the only thing that I could think is they're fully just going, oh, here they go again. Just <laughs> checking us out. It was so cool. You're like, damn, I wish I'd stayed in that plane. Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing. Well, I sent a message to my wife uh, uh, with a picture of the giraffe licking me saying, I'm going to try and see if I can take it home as an emotional support animal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to work, but I'm going to try. I need a support animal after your, I found out what banana means in Skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you been traumatized with bananas? No, no, no. Well, in Vegas, we used to, we didn't say banana, we said, point your pecker the direction you want to go. <laughs> So, pick your poison, man. Hey, what about the women? Well, either way. Hey, either way. hey General. Yeah. <laughs> you got, Whatever you identify. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got the equipment. Whatever you identify. Please, be. Yeah, I'm sorry to butt in here. No, but listen, well, listen, listening to Listening to my skydiving family talking reminds me of the fact that, yeah, worldwide, we are a family. Mm. And I'd never mm. met Dean. I'd never met you before. But as the days passed, we suddenly discovered there's so many people we know in common. Mm -hmm. And virtually everybody here, when they say where they jump, I say, oh, do you know this one? And they say, yeah, yeah, I know her. I know him. And this is the, one of the joys I find about skydiving. It's a community where people love one another and you meet people and, and you can walk on a drop zone anywhere in the, in the world, practically. And if there isn't somebody you know, there are people who know people that you know. Absolutely. Bravo. Yeah, you and I almost safe. immediately got to sit and have a conversation about this big fat cunt named Dale Hinton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that lives in the UK. We found out that we're, you know, we're not only both uh, good friends with this amazing human being, but we got to send messages back and forth at the same time. Yeah. Of course, to nothing but berating insults from him, as you would well, expect. Well, he was a Royal Marine, so I mean, they only understand insults. Absolutely. <laughs> but it really is a wonderful thing. It's such a small community, and I'm sure every, every jumper around the table already knows that the longer you get in the sport, the more you realize that there's a sofa in probably every major city and certainly every country that skydives around the world and probably most of them that don't waiting for you when you show up absolutely yeah. and I, have cool, to, right? I have a story to tell as well so when i started skydiving right um i was um people didn't understand me let's let's just put it that way family didn't understand me but every country, what you mean your accent yeah, do you, do I speak Chinese? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so we've we've got an accent in uh, in Kenya as well. It's called Kenglish. Kenglish. Yeah. All right. Kenya English. Kenglish. Okay. So do you think I speak Kenglish? No, I I don't know. I'm okay, American. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but please continue with your story. Yeah. Um. So when I started going to different drop zones, right? I knew no one because. Basically, I am the first Kenyan skydiver, born and bred here, right? Um, there was not, there weren't many people that I could go to or relate to or anything like that, except for Kareem um, in Dubai. What a nightmare! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first point of re reference. Gosh, there's Kareem was your first point of reference in skydiving. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. That, that all makes sense, huh? Yeah, it does. Yeah, kind yeah, of, it does. All right. All right. <laughs> Stop anyway, looking at me. <laughs> so when I started traveling, like if I said, uh, I'm coming to your drop zone or may I come to your drop zone or whatever, not knowing who I am or whatever, what my skill level is, they were welcoming people from the moment I arrived in that country to people say, come stay with us, Do, you know, like, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. So I worked in Skydive Muscle Bay. Mm. Uh, Hank, oh, I love that guy, two bits. Uh, drop zone owner, Skydive Muscle Bay. Yeah, first I know time him I, well. Yeah, yeah. So the first time I uh, told him I'm going to come uh, to, to South Africa, he's like, dude, you're staying with me. Mm. And it was kind of like, for me as a woman, like, a guy says, oh, you're staying with me. I'm like, ah, no. But it was just beautiful, like how accepting and how respected I was. You ended up in the corn in Chicago, didn't you? No, excuse me, sir. I went <laughs> to look for a parachute. No, no, I mean, you worked for... Oh, I worked. Yes, I did. Uh, Chicago and Skydive Center. <laughs> the fuck did you think I meant? <laughs> I, I, I heard that you, I ended up in a corn. <laughs> Oh, I don't mean you landed in the corn. I mean, you went and worked at a drop zone in Chicago. It's all corn around there. I, it is. Oh, yeah, corn. Yeah. Yeah. Can't get Chicago it in the best Chicago Center, yes. I've <laughs> got beautiful memories of that place. And um, now as a DCO, I know how silly it sounds or whatever, but I've got mentors. So Hank is my mentor because I worked for him and with him. And um, Doug, you're a very good friend. <laughs> I worked with Doug for four years. Yeah, he uh, he put me in a Twin Otter when I absolutely should not have been put in a Twin Otter. Right. Stupidest thing he could have ever done. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I had 27 multi-engine hours when he uh, he put me in his Twin Otter. Oh, right. Yeah. And, I, and I, oh, yeah. Didn't, I didn't know you back then, right? I mean, no. you came before my time, if that sounds right. He's calling me old. He's the old one. <laughs> not me. <laughs> I'm the second, third, third 
Holy what? shit. Holy shit. Yes. I'm the third oldest person at this table. See that? I like You're this boogie. A youngin'. Yes, I like this boogie. Like this is good stuff. Looking, so. oh. <laughs> it's just because I've been in the snow and I'm a little red. White? I'm red now. Oh, yeah, because you're in Kenya. Yeah, bright red. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dean, wanted to introduce uh, Mahmoud Sharaf over here. Mahmoud, how's, the, how's your butt feeling? Uh. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. For, those, for those of you that don't know, Mahmoud Sharaf is the mastermind behind Jump Like a Pharaoh, which are the skydives that we get to do over the pyramids of Cairo. One of the most incredible, beautiful, once-in-a-lifetime jumps. Getting to jump out of a C-130 yeah. military transport aircraft at 15,000 feet over the pyramids of Giza. I mean, incredible. And literally land between two of them. I mean... Oh, the images for the stuff that you have done are absolutely beyond incredible. Seeing human beings in free fall over the pyramids or flying past them under canopy, are you kidding me? Yes. <coughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay, first of all, thank you all for the boogie for being here all together. Uh, thank you for the introduction, Omar. Yeah, uh, let you, let you know you about coming, Jump Like a Pharaoh. Absolutely. Yeah, because Omar uh, like, introduced us to you by Jump Like a Pharaoh. So I started skydiving in 2015. Uh, at that time, we didn't have a drop zone in Egypt. So uh, we have to travel to learn skydiving, to skydive. First, I went to Morocco, French drop zone. They're working in... Uh, <laughs> 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 I love that you, all you hear is the Englishman snort fucking French. You have experience in Morocco? Just French drop zone. Oh, they are really strict there. Karen and Greg, we love you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sorry. <laughs> Try, trying to jump at a French drop zone is like nailing jelly to the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like Morocco saw a little bit too strange. No, I love it. I love it. I second that. So, Morocco first and then where? Ah, first. I took my AFF in Morocco. Okay. Uh, then, uh, went a couple of times there as well. And then, like, Dubai for sure. Mm. Uh, then Kenya. Like, Kenya, like, was the third country I, I jumped in it. Like, fourth country if I uh, excluded Egypt from the list. So, Kenya was the third country to, to jump in it during boogies, uh, that was happening in, like, back in 2016 and 17. At that time, I really enjoyed the place uh, here and the vibes and uh, like Africa, like uh, uh, all of that. I was privileged uh, to uh, ha to be introduced to a lot of people because I have to travel to jump. I don't have so much experience in skydiving, uh, but I have like I saw a lot of places. Uh, I can I can tell it's too much compared to my skydiving experience. I jumped in a lot of drop zones until the moment came, like in 2017. Like, uh, okay, when I travel everywhere, okay, you are from Egypt, yes. Why not? We are uh, organizing something over the pyramids. Egypt, as you know, is a lot of bureaucratic process, a mm. lot of everything uh, to being able to do anything there. Really, really very hard. Mm. Getting approvals and military and jumping in the planes, especially for something that never happened before. Mm. So. They are afraid of everything, military controlling everything. Mm -hmm. 
I talked to Omar in 2017. Uh, he had a project uh, like called Triple Seven at that time, mm-hmm. uh, but it never happened there. But we like Triple Seven was like doing like seven jumps, seven continents in seven days. Mm. It needs a lot of logistics, a lot of funds, a lot of uh, uh, finance. But at that time, it couldn't happen. But we kept, I uh, kept uh, dealing with Omar. Okay, why not we make a pyramid boogie? We make something happening uh, uh, in the pyramids. Anyways, uh, June two thousand and eighteen, we had the first ever jump like a pharaoh. It was uh, jumping from C one thirty. Uh, like only we had at that time one jump per day. We were just uh, starting something new. We didn't know how it would be. Yeah. So, uh, Omar and uh, Dunya and Cherry came at that time. Yeah, it was really absolutely. fantastic. Like we were only like fifty or sixty persons on mm-hmm. on the C one thirty. Most of people didn't think it will happen. Like okay, and we are just trying something new. Yeah. I'm afraid until we just exit the plane and make it it happen so one jump per day for three days uh a lot of people around the world attended like a lot of nationalities came there Mm. uh, and it happened then the next year 2019 like double the numbers and a lot of people it was i think it was february uh, 2019 that was the number. We had uh, some uh, a little, not challenges in southern Nigeria, as I remember. Right, right yeah, things. yeah, but it went well at the end. It ended perfectly. Uh, well, what's amazing is that it's been going on so long that now we just finished jump like a pharaoh six. Mm-hmm. So now you're already preparing number seven. Exactly. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Do you have dates for that? When's it going to be? Where can people register and so on? Yeah. Um, we are planning right now. We fixed the dates for end of October, beginning of November, like last week of October, first week of November. Uh, like we fixed those days, plans like the COVID year. Uh, you remember, like the COVID year, mm-hmm. we, we switched it was supposed to be in June, but we postponed till uh, November. So we ca- we love the weather at November. Weather is good, not so cold, not so hot. Little challenges with fog, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, so we are keeping the dates for next year. Everything same as it is. Okay. Like, nice. but we will be like checking in like twenty eighth of October, checking out second of November. Twenty eighth of October uh, to second of November. Yeah, well, those are some good dates to keep in mind. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I had a, a a lady on the podcast not that long ago by the name of Kim Emmons North, mm-hmm. and she. Uh, I, She's in her 80s. She was a very active jumper all the way back in the day. She doesn't jump on her own now. Uh, she does tandems, and she's desperately trying to get to a 1,000 jumps. And she wants to make her bucket list. Before I die, my 1,000th jump needs to be over the pyramids. Oh, That's literally what she's doing, traveling all around the States with the USPA backing the hell out of her as she jumps out of airplanes all around the U.S. trying to hit that 1,000 mark. So it can be a thousand over the pyramids. Amazing. So you got somebody coming specifically because of what you did. You've kind of laid out this amazing goal for someone setting this, you know, doing this incredible thing. It's really cool. 
Congrats. 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 Never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. Well, now I know the guy that got it to happen over the pyramids is how it happened in Bali. Yeah. That makes sense. They haven't met. That Mahmoud. makes sense. <laughs> no, now you know yeah. about Mahmoud and nice. his partner Mustafa. Yeah. Now speaking of a uh, speaking of events, you guys can actually add to this. Uh, this is uh, obviously the end of this boogie, but there's going to be more to come. So, how do people find out about Code Jump Kenya? How do they um, attend the next boogie coming around? How, if they're in Kenya and they want to come make a tandem, how do they find out about you? Where do they go? Social media, all that stuff. Absolutely. Go to social media. Go Jump Kenya on Facebook. Go Jump Kenya on Instagram. Get in touch with Zainab. Get in touch with me. We're ready to go ahead and make your dreams come true coming here and jumping in Kenya. Next boogie is... Uh, what are the dates? April, exactly? but the, the exact date will be April. April second 10. week of April. Second, second week, week yeah. like 10-ish, 12-ish, something like that of April uh, for one week. So come one, come all. Let's make it an incredible event. Come jump on the beach. Come jump on a golf course. Get licked by a giraffe. That too. Hang out with amazing all, people. All possibilities are there. Get your banana going on. Get your banana going on. <laughs> <laughs> scared the giraffes. <laughs> when, scared the zebras when you're just about to land. And oh, for yeah. that was uh, you. Yeah. And for <laughs> a first time like, jumper, I definitely <laughs> recommend Kenya for sure. Nice. For nice. sure, for sure. This place is beautiful, breathtaking, nature everywhere. So definitely come. Fantastic. Guys, we could literally keep this conversation going until the sun comes back up, which is why I'm going to stop it. And thank you all so much, not just for sitting down to talk about all of this, but for continuing jumping, being part of the skydiving family and being here in Kenya. This has been fantastic. Dean, thank you very much. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners out there. Please, all of you, take a minute, pray, peace on earth. Thank you. Bravo. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.